Hey kids, this is Miyashi Robots. We're back with another super exciting, super fun episode of World Famous. This time out, we're going to open a G.I. Joe. Going to talk about a cute little comic show I went to. It's going to be great. We're going to do all kinds of fun stuff. But until we get there, Grandmaster Grandpa, kick that beat! OKIC Robot, let's get this party started right. Let's get this party started quickly. This is world's famous with IC robot. Hey guys, this is me, IC Robots. We got a pretty fun episode ahead of us this week. I happened to be going by the Veterans Building here in Santa Rosa. I saw a sign for a comic show and I went in. It was kind of fun. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the things that I picked up when we when we get to there in a little bit. I'm going to open a GI Joe, but I I wanted to start off with like another thing that like scares me and that I would never do in a million years. Last episode. We talked about a chairlift that I went on and how terrified I was. I like, I was like, I'll never do this again. I thought of another thing that's very similar that I would never, not never do in a million years, and that is fly in a hot air balloon. My guy, hot air balloons are like the Sonoma County wine country thing. They are like all over the place. There's like a season where you see hot air balloons everywhere. I've seen hot air balloons land in the uh, school behind my house. I've seen them take off in the uh, school behind my house. I've seen them everywhere. Like. Every once in a while, you'll wake up in the morning and there'll be, like, hot air balloons. They have, like, these wine country hot air balloon tours, which are, like, which is, like, bananas. I would never, not, never do this in my entire life. And it's not, it's not the balloon part that gets me. It's, like, the basket part. I realize you're in this basket. It's not literally, like, a woven basket that is probably, like, reinforced any number of ways. I am sure there's very little chance of, like, the basket breaking on the bottom and you falling out. But you know what? That very small chance of the basket breaking and having me fall out the bottom is too much for me to ever, ever, ever risk getting into a hot air balloon. The only way in my life that I would ever, ever get into a hot air balloon is if, like, there was, like, volcano eruption near me. Like, the volcano went up and there's like, lava. There's, like, lava coming up on me and the only way to escape was to get into this hot air balloon. That might be the only way that I would literally ever do it is if I had to escape some kind of like slow moving but very dangerous force. That's probably the only way I would do it, dude, is if I had to escape some kind of like slow moving but dangerous, dangerous thing like the blob was coming after me or like acid was coming like slowly rolling toward me had to jump into the basket and had to float away. But I would ask the dude, I said, hey, don't take it all the way up there. You don't have to take it like 100, 200, 300 feet in the air. You can take it like 20 feet and we can just kind of float above this lava and then go down over there wherever we believe things are going to be safe. I don't know how many miles down the road. I don't know how far you have to go to escape a lava flow. I've never been in that situation, and you know what? I hope I never am. Uh, big shout-out to everyone who's ever had to run from lava, but uh, big shout-out to those folks at Krakatoa. Anyhow, this is me, Icy Robots, and we are going to move into the next part, where in which I'm going to open up a, uh, a G.I. Joe fig that I got over at the uh, comic show at the Vets Building. It's pretty fun. World's famous? World-famous what? Just world's-famous. I don't know if that's a good idea. Okay, you are the boss. You are listening to world's-famous with Icy Robots. Our next bit of information is on IC Robot's recent purchase of a G.I. Joe figure of some sort. Let's hear something about that. If you insist. Let's hear something about that. 
if you insist. As a matter of fact, I do insist. When we were over at the comic show on Sunday at the Vets building, there were there were not like a ton of toy vendors. There was like a good amount of toys. There was enough there was enough toys to look around at, but there was one guy in particular, he was on the end of the first row. He had the he had like the end cap position and he had a whole table full of $5 action figures. And amongst these $5 figures, I found the one that I have in my hand right here. What I have is a Super 7 G.I. Joe of Mutt and Junkyard. Mutt and Junkyard is, of course, the dog and the dog handler. I guess it's the dog handler and the dog. The homeboy's name is Mutt. The dog is named Junkyard. They are part of the original G.I. Joe lineup from back in the day. Not the original, like not the first eight, but they're they're part of the old school cartoon universe. The the Super 7 G.I. Joes are cool because they're based on the cartoons, not the comic books, not the other toys or whatever. These are all supposed to be like the uh, dick animated accurate versions. I appreciate that. You get to see a lot of characters that you didn't get to previously see. Of course, there was a Mutt. Mutt is one that I have in my what is becoming fairly vast G.I. Joe collection. I I think that he's a nice figure. He's not a character that I was particularly fond of in the cartoon. I mean, he's fine. But, uh, dude acted like a goofball. And even now, I'm not really into, like, these goofball characters. Dude was almost like... He was almost like half-man, half-animal, I guess. He... He had, like, dog inside of him. You know, he was, like, half-man, half-dog almost. He was almost like this brute-type character. But let's, uh... Let's take a sec and find out a little bit about Junkyard and Mutt. Then we'll come back, bust open the figure, talk about all the fun stuff that we will find therein. Mutt is a fictional character from the G.I. Joe, a real American hero toy line. He is the team's dog handler and debuted in 1984. Mutt's real name is given as Stanley R. Pearl Mutter and his rank that of Army Specialist. Mutt is characterized as a natural with animals and as having had several pet dogs in his youth. The smartest of these was Junkyard who accompanied Mutt into the army. That's interesting. When our dude signed up for the army, he's like, I'm not going to go unless you bring my dog. You got to bring my dog with me. And they're like, I guess so, because you're so, um, you're so fantastic that we can't get by without you that we'll, we'll take your dog, I guess. I don't know if that's how it works. I, I love my dog, my dog Ursa. I love her deeply. And one thing that I would never do is go into combat with her. I'd never go into a place where there are bullets flying all around and expect her to, like, go into battle with me. I just wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I love her. I don't want to see her get a... I don't want to see her step on a landmine. I don't want to see her get hit with a uh, rocket-propelled grenade. What a terrible thing. What a terrible thing. I, uh, don't know if... I don't know if our guy is a good dog owner, honestly. Sure, he seems like he's a good dog trainer, but just like these people who walk around the neighborhood with their dogs off the leash, there's this one lady, I see her all the time walking her dog, I know that she thinks that she has, like, absolute control over this Rottweiler. She walks it without a leash. I know. I know in her mind she is, um, she's Mark Singer. She's the Beast Master, and her and this Beast are one, and she has complete control. But one thing I know about dogs is you are not one. You're friends, you love each other, but you are not the same person. You're not, 
you're not like symbiotically connected. You can only control them so far. And one thing that you do, if you love your dog, you keep it on a leash. You keep it on a leash for your safety. You keep it on a leash for other people's safety. You keep it on a leash for their safety, man. What's going to stop your dog from getting scared, for example, if a if a car exhaust goes off? It makes a loud noise. Your dog's going to get scared, run into the street. But if you know what? You have it on a leash, you're safe. Anyway, Junkyard, I'm calling you out for getting your dog into the army. Let's, uh, let's take a look at this. There's a file card on the back, and then there is pictures of all the... All the figures in the line, you got one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Looks like there's 21 on here, three rows of seven. Everybody from Zartan, Tomac, Zayma, Raven, Ninja Viper, the Baroness, a bat. These these guys are really cool. Right now, over at the GameStop in the mall, the center of the plaza, they have a really good selection of these. I know they have Tomax and Zaymot. I think they have Red Laser. Pretty sure they have Raven and also the Ninja Viper, if I am not mistaken. This was what I saw last time I was there. They have a file card for our guy Mutt Dog Handler. Mutt is a natural with animals. He likes them and they like him. The problem is that he gets along better with dogs than he does with humans. Graduated Jungle Warfare Training School, attached to a special op school as an advisor to security, blah, 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 blah. If you're sitting next to Mutt in the mess hall, don't try flinching anything from his tray. That dog will bite your leg off. That's great. Has a dog that bites people in public. Again, not a great dog owner as far as I'm concerned. But let's, uh, let's bust into this figure. Because despite not being the best dog owner, he might be a good action figure. Let's pull him off. He's on a collector tray here, which I think is very, very cool. The dog Mutt. Is included. Mutt looks pretty much like the cartoon Mutt. The details are pretty nice. I got this all in reverse. I keep doing that. The person's name is Mutt. The dog's name is Junkyard. I was talking about Junkyard the dog. JYD looking pretty, pretty cool here. Pretty nice details. Our guy, our guy Mutt comes with a uh, like a billy club, I guess. Probably so he can hit his dog with. He seems like the kind of guy who might hit his dog with a stick. His helmet is molded onto his head, much like all the Super 7s. He has articulation at the elbows, at the at the hips, and at the head. He's a five-pointer, like a like a Star Wars guy from the old days. Not a Star Wars black. I'm talking about your original Star Wars from back in the day. I, I do think this is a nice figure, honestly. The details are very nice, despite not being one of my favorite characters of all the time in space. He is... A definitely an iconic G.I. Joe figure. Definitely one of the ones. G.I. Joe. Joe has a history of pets. I don't know if Mutt is the first pet or if Snake Eyes Dog Timber is the first pet. Or if it's Polly who was a shipwreck's um, parrot. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know which order they came out. I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe Polly was first. The parrot was first. And then you have Dusty. Dusty has a pet. That's crazy, man. These G.I. Joes, you know. They can't help but bring their animals into combat. I can imagine poor Polly. I can imagine poor Polly on the boat. I can imagine poor Polly on the boat being out there with shipwreck, getting hit by a, an enemy sniper, getting blown to bits. It's terrible. It's terrible to think about these things. If you really love your animals, would you put them in position to where they can get hit by a sniper? I don't think you willingly would. Let's... Let's take a look. He has a helmet with goggles on it. This is molded. On his left hand is one of those, one of those thickly protected dog handler gloves, you know, so you can, like, let the dog bite on your arm, I guess, to get, get aggression out. His other hand is, uh, 
normal with just skin on it. He has a pistol on his right hip. It's molded out, but it doesn't it doesn't come out. It's part of the mold, but it's nice. Nice design. He has three little snaps, three little belts on, some nice some nice red shoulders and he has knee pads and stuff. His boots have holes in the bottom. I don't think as so far Super 7 has come out with any kind of uh any kind of stands, but if they had some, this would fit. Did you guys see that giant Super 7 Cobra Cobra vehicle? It's like this flying like spaceship, like a saucer, like a flying saucer that they're doing like a crowdfunding, I think is how it's going to be. Is it crowdfunded? You have to you have to buy in, and then they'll send you one. I don't think that they're making these, like, for the store or whatever. But, man, this is a giant, beautiful ship. And what I saw also is I believe that there's some O-Ring Cobras in there. Is Super 7 going to bring back the O-Ring G.I. Joe? I don't know. It's possible. I guess if you look at this big uh, crowd-funded Cobra ship, they already have. But are they going to come back, like, singly packed? I don't know. That would definitely be cool. I do prefer the O-Ring style, but... But, 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 my G.I. Joe collection right now is in complete disarray. Complete disarray. Because dudes keep getting their O-rings pop. Their O-ring pop, they fall over, and there's just so many of them over there. There's like, I think, I think 10 right now. When I was a youth, when I was a youth back in the day, I don't recall their O-rings breaking. The only one I ever recall breaking on me was a barbecue. My, my baby cousin was playing with my barbecue, and he broke the broke the band and then my uncle my skinflint uncle refused to pay for one even though i just got barbecue like two days before this guy this dude was like a silicon valley big wig we called him deep pockets pete dude had like all the money in the world firebird he drove a firebird he wore like those cool sunglasses those porsche sunglasses that you could like fold up and put into a little thing he had that he had like Sharper image catalog. He lived in Mountain View and like dude would not give me two dollars for this action figure that his son destroyed. His baby son destroyed. I was so distraught. I just got him. But uh anywho, let's uh we're gonna move forward. This is a nice figure, like Super 7, very high quality stuff. It's always high quality. We dig it, we love it. Let's go forward. Turns out the first ever Joe mascot was Spirit's Eagle named Freedom. Dummy talks about G.I. Joe and doesn't even know the history of spirit and freedom. Nice show you got here. Very informative. Okay, so what do you want me to say here? It's your five bucks, I guess. All right, this is KRJF 92.3 FM in Santa Rosa. I've been there. The whole place stinks like manure in the morning. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? I have a surprise. The New York Times, Vanity Fair, and Rolling Stone are all talking about the holdovers. Okay, let's hear. The raucously funny smash hit of the Toronto and Telluride Film Festivals reunites Alexander Payne and Paul Giamatti for the first time since Sideways. Stop attention! The New York Times raves. The Holdovers is one of the finest of Payne's career. Four stars. It's pure movie magic. <laughs> The Holdovers. Rated R. In select theaters in New York and Los Angeles, October 27th. In theaters everywhere, November 10th. I saw The Holdovers over at Summerfield Theater on a Saturday. It was, it was like over half full, which is pretty good, man. This is like an art house theater, and they don't always draw the big crowds. But a movie 
like the holdovers is definitely like the bread and butter of Summerfield. It's like a heartfelt, kind of grown-up, mature movie that looks at looks at feelings and stuff. I thought this one was a lot of fun, man. It stars uh, Paul Giamatti, who you might know from like any number of things. I mean, dude is Paul Giamatti. He's been in like he's been in like a million movies um over the years. I I think that uh, Giamatti is as good an actor as there is out there in the world. You know. You talk about your Brian Cranstons, you talk about your whatever, and I think Giamatti's up there with any of them. Dude is definitely a master of the of the art of acting. Let's take a quick look over at the uh, tomatoes, and we're going to see what there is we can learn about this movie. From acclaimed director Alexander Payne, The Holdovers follows a curmudgeonly instructor, Paul Giamatti, at a New England prep school who is forced to remain on campus during Christmas break to babysit the handful of students with nowhere to go. Eventually, he forms an unlikely bond with one of them, a damaged brainy troublemaker, played by Dominic Sessa, a newcomer, and with the school's head cook, who has just lost a son in Vietnam, played by Divine Joy Randolph, who I think there might be some Oscar buzz after this. Also, I think there might be some buzz for our guy Giamatti. It was directed by Alexander Payne, who you might know from Sideways. He's teamed up with uh, Giamatti again. In another fine film. It plays for 2 hours 13 minutes. It was put out by Focus Features. And in its opening weekend it made $4.3 million. It's currently 96 on the tomatoes. 91 with the peeps. This one is definitely a good one. It's set during Christmas. Beautiful holiday movie. Fine acting. Fine writing. There is a lot, a lot of laughs. There's a lot of heart. It's set during the 70s. So it has like all the cool 70s accoutrements. Cars, cigarettes, you name it, man. Just a very, very fine, well-put-together movie. I thought it was really super great, and I can't recommend it highly enough. The The feelings in the movie are very sincere. After a while, you really, like, you feel like you're this, this Paul Giamatti character, this curmudgeon who doesn't get out of the building very much. He teaches at, like, a fancy-dancy prep school. It's like a prep school, you know, boarding school or whatever, and some kids don't get to go with their parents over the holidays, so they have to stay behind. Hence, they are the holdovers. And our guy Giamatti, he used to attend the school back in the day. It's the high school he graduated from. He went to Harvard, then he came back. And our guy doesn't leave campus very often. They explain why during the movie, but he's kind of, kind of a homebody. Just wants to be left alone. Just wants to read his mysteries. Just wants to do whatever. And the next thing you know, he's stuck with a bunch of kids and all kinds of... All kinds of hilarity ensues. I think in the trailers, if you've seen the trailers or you've seen a TV spot for this one, they kind of play it like it's The Breakfast Club. It's definitely not that. It's definitely not a remake of The Breakfast Club in style or in any way, but it's in its own way. It's a fantastic film that I cannot recommend highly enough. If it's playing near you, go see it, man. This this holiday, this might be the Christmas movie of the season. Every year there's something that comes out that's like Christmas related and you watch it and it just kind of warms your heart. And this is this is the one I think that we're going to get this year. So, with all that said, on the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give the holdovers a very solid four mics. Four mics. Here you go. You are listening to World Famous with I Hear Bots. Chaji. This show is on the by God's honest, real radio. Now I've heard everything. Chaji. This week in Japanese League. 
Baseball. Hello, this is Derek for this week in Japanese League Baseball. The flowering romance between J-pop slash J-goth music star Black October and Stevie Balboni Jr. continues to flourish. This past week, the couple was spotted at the popular night spot, The Gravel Pit, which is a dance spot set down in the ground in a deep hole with gravel in it. The DJ and the servers are all dressed like pieces of rock and serve the food in rocks with holes drilled into them like bowling balls. Sounds very interesting. I've never drinked out of a bowling ball before. I might pour some Tampico punch into my dad's Brunswick sweeper and see what it tastes like. This is Derek for this week in Japanese League Baseball. That was this week in Japanese League Baseball. This one is on the house because I don't know how this is going to make it otherwise. This guy here went to a comic show at the Vets Hall. News at 10. Nice topic there. Very broad reaching. I think it's a good topic, dude. I don't know. At any rate, it is what I did, and it is what I shall talk about. Back back in the day, like way back in the day when I was, I think, like late junior high, early high school, my dad, my brother, and I all got into baseball card collecting. My dad, he kind of started off first. He was, um, he's a giant baseball fan. We're all pretty big baseball fans, but he... He introduced us to trading cards. He decided he was going to try to get an entire collection of 1956 Topps baseball cards. That was a set he had when he was younger. He wanted to get it all. So we started going to, like, all these different, like, baseball card shows all over the place. There was one in San Francisco at the Moscone Center that was that was massive. They still have this one, and I, I do want to go one year just to see what it's like nowadays. But we would go to that one, but also... We would go to, like, any number of, um, like, teeny tiny local shows. They would be everywhere from, like, the Elks Hall to, like, high school gyms. Just all over the place. My dad had a work... He had this work buddy that got into promoting shows on the weekends. Like, every weekend he would run, like, a little baseball card. A little bitty baseball card show inside of, like, high school gym somewhere. And it was kind of fun. And every once in a while he would let us get a table. And it was all very cool. And I've always... I really enjoy, like, small shows. I like big shows like WonderCon and all that stuff. But honestly, I'm the kind of guy who likes really small local things. And this comic book show that I went to this past week fit into that to a T. It was a lot of fun. It was at the Veterans Building. It was teeny tiny, like teeny tiny. The Veterans Building, uh, the, the main arena... It's not that big. It's big enough. They do wrestling there sometimes. They'll do, like, Lucha Libre. I've been there many, many times. I saw... Let's see. Who did I see? I saw La Parca. I saw La Parca wrestle there. That was great. I got to talk to the legendary local legend, Vinny Massaro. I saw him in the crowd, and we talked for a little bit. That was fun. I saw Atlantis, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, Luchador Atlantis. I saw Jungle Boy, a very young Jungle Boy wrestle there. It's a really nice... Very small building, way, way, way back in the day that used to hold concerts there. I think that I've heard Legends of Foghat playing there back in the day, um, like the Canned Heat. I know Canned Heat played there, and I believe there was an early Led Zeppelin show way back in the day. These were all promoted by Bill Graham. Bill Graham ran out of San Francisco, and every once in a while, he would send some of his acts to Santa Rosa to play at the Vets Hall. Very cool, very fun stuff, a lot of history. There used to be a weekly flea market there that has been since canceled, and I haven't had the chance to be at the Vets building in a long time, so when I got to go to see some comic book stuff, I thought it was pretty cool, and I was pretty excited. 
I don't know if I've mentioned this right now, but I, I'm dealing with, like, an ear infection. My left ear is infected. Shout out to Ferg, who also has an ear infection from what I what I understand. And when, when I knew the day of the show was coming, I knew that I had this ear infection, and I knew that it hurt. And I wasn't, I wasn't, like, absolutely sure that I wanted to go, but I decided you gotta... You gotta grow up. You gotta be a macho man like Randy Savage. And you gotta go out there and you gotta do these things when they're happening. Because there's not a show next week. There's not one tomorrow. It is right now. And unless unless you're, like, infected with some kind of disease that you can give other people, you gotta go and do it, dude. Nobody's gonna get my ear infection. All that's gonna happen is that my ear's gonna hurt. So I, I managed to, like, I pulled myself together. And I no-sold the pain, and I decided to go. The show was on a Sunday, and I first found out about the ear infection. Well, the ear infection first started killing me on Friday. So this was this was during the peak. Don't worry, it's all going away now. I'm all fine. Everything is great. But at the time, a lot of pain, and you're going to... You're going to have to appreciate me. You're going to have to appreciate what I sacrificed to go tell you about this uh, little bitty dinky comic show at the Vets building. The main reason I wanted to go was like, this is something that's definitely true and it's something that you have to remember. If you want there to be fun things in your town, if you want there to be exciting, cool events, when there is an exciting, cool event, you have to go. You have to buy a ticket because if the people who put it on don't sell enough tickets, they're not going to do another one. They're never going to do it again. So I'm like, we got to go. So go we did. And man, I'm kind of glad I did. It was only like we were there for maybe like 45 minutes. So it wasn't like a big, big problem or anything. Nice and chill. Got a few things and went along my merry way. The the show was called the Ohana Comic Con. And from what I can tell on their website, they put these shows on all over the place. They're anime slash comic cons i would say that they're way more animated than they are comics there's only like maybe two or three comic vendors in the whole place which is fine the ones that were there were good and it was all cool and stuff but it's mostly like anime gigas you know like uh cosplay swords and things like that but it's cool man all these things are interrelated whether you like anime or not whether you like comics or not if you like anything fantasy related it's all tied together there's nothing wrong with looking at weird anime things that you don't really have any idea about because it's still like a cool, weird, interesting thing. So we got we got to the vet's hall. We were gonna do a drive by. We were gonna drive by, see if it looked like there were a lot of people there. If there's a lot, a lot of people, I might have bowed out because I'm just like, well, they don't need my tickets, they're already sold out. But when we got there, there were so many people that I was like, you know, we definitely gotta go. I gotta see what's in there. There was like a long line stretching from the front of the vet's building all the way around to the side door. There were like tons of people in costume waiting to get in. That was one of the, that was like the main thing they advertised. I saw like a little bit on Facebook about it and stuff. Not a ton. There wasn't a ton of advertising for this uh, program, but what they did push was the cosplay and the cosplay contest. So there was like, there were tons of people dressed like anime characters. I myself, I'm not into the world of cosplay. I've never cosplayed. I don't have anything against it, like even in the least. I think it's really, really cool. And I definitely appreciate seeing people in like cool costumes and stuff. But I myself, I don't really dress up for Halloween. I don't dress up for anything because you know what? I'm happy being me. The costume that I put on is that of an everyday citizen. Then people never know the uh the problems that swirl underneath that's that's me that's my costume but no i definitely do i definitely appreciate the work and the time and the effort that people put into these uh these works of art that they call costumes so there were there were tons of people i saw spider gwens i saw spider mans i saw spider punks i saw all kinds of stuff most of which 
I didn't recognize. I don't recognize a lot of anime characters. There were also, like, tons of video game characters. I'm starting to feel, like, out of touch. I realize, like, Marvel and all these things are mainstream, but as far as... As far as the fantasy world goes, I think that video games and that animes and mangas are way more popular than, like, Marvel comic books are now. There was only, like, a smattering of costumes from, like, Marvel or DC dudes. It was all, like, weird video game guys. There was, like, a guy with, like, some kind of, like, a rat head on and no shirt. There were people with, like, gigantic swords and stuff. All the anime that I know. I know, like, Captain Harlock. I know, like, uh, the Macross Saga from uh, Robotech, I know, like, Star Blazers, the real, real OG stuff. I don't know any of, like, One Piece or uh, Battle Knight Alchemy or any of these things. I think I just made that up. The the kid of mine, my youth, has, um, she has a favorite anime, and I can't remember what it was. I was trying to pull it out. I was trying to do a deep dive pull, and I can't. It's like, Battle Suit number 12? I don't know. Uh, Cyborg 006? I don't know. I forget. I... I'm making myself sound silly, but there were, like, tons and tons of people in costumes. It's always fun to see people get excited about things. That's what, that's what I like about going to a show. It's just really nice to see people be enthusiastic about something. It's nice to see people get excited, because usually, like, people are too cool for school. They don't want you to know, like, their secret loves, their secret likes. But when you go to one of these shows, you can let it all hang out. You can be as big of a dork as you want. You want to, like, look at comics for hours? It's encouraged. You want to dress up like Spider-Gwen and walk around and pretend like you're zip-zapping people with, like, laser beams? It's encouraged. I love these kind of things because we're all geeks. We're all nerds. Whether you're a nerd about video games, whether you're a nerd about, like, anime, or whether you're a nerd about anything, you can all get together, and you can all be nerds in one place, and it's like a judgment-free zone where you're just free to do whatever you want as long as it's done with love, and that's what I really do enjoy about these things, just being around fellow geeks, being around fellow people who just, like, like these things, the same things that I like. What I enjoy is being around other people who love things to the level that I love things. It's all, it's all very cool to see people just happy, just happy to be looking at books, happy to be in a costume, happy to see other people in costume. With all that said, was it a great show as far as, like, the things that were in there for sale? No, not really. It wasn't, like, an honest-to-God, like, super comic book collector kind of deal, but it was, it was definitely fun. There were two vendors who had comics. There were, like, a lot of graded comics, which I, myself, I'm not into. I like back issues. There was one guy who had a lot of a lot of, like, Daredevil back issues. Right now, that's what I'm into the most. I'm trying to get, like, a complete run of Daredevil. Even though I know, like, number one, two, and three, the early ones are going to be, like, way out of my price range at this point. I still I still need, like, a little project to work on. And I, I try to find back issues of Daredevil whenever I go to these things. I ended up not picking up any. The ones that the guy had were a little out of my price range. I thought that, uh, I thought they were high. I'm looking for, like, you know, like, a few dollars per, like, random issue. And he wanted way more than that. I don't know. But it was still, it's still fun to look. The, the main thing, like, the favoritest thing when I go to one of these kind of shows is I want, like, $5 trade paperbacks. I love, like, the collected ones. You know, you get, like, five or six issues all in one book. I think those are really great. Because then I can keep... I can keep my comics, like, filed away and safe in, in the vault, and I can still have a good time looking at these, because what's the point of having comics if you can't read them? And sometimes it means you gotta have a collection. So I did get a few of those. I think I wound up with five, five altogether, and I bought the G.I. Joe that I talked about earlier. The wife got a couple hair ribbons. It was like a 
There was a booth that had all kinds of, like, Hello Kitty stuff, and she got, like, some Hello Kitty hair clips, which was pretty fun. There were, like, a lot, a lot, a lot of pop vinyls. I don't know what the deal is with pop vinyls and why people love them so much. Maybe it's just because you can get, like, so many characters all in the same scale. That is, that is definitely cool how they have, like, the license for everything. You can have, like, your Wizard of Oz characters hanging out with your DC supervillains, hanging out with your AEW wrestlers, hanging out with your, I don't know, your Star Treks. I don't even know if Pop Vinyl has the license to all those characters. I'm just kind of naming things off the top of my head. That's how I do it sometimes. Just kind of go off the top doing freestyle stuff. But there was a ton of that, ton of Pops ton of anime stuff there was a vendor selling lightsabers like lightsaber hilts and then you can get like uh, a glow-in-the-dark kind of like a, like a neon sort of tube to go with it I wouldn't mind having a lightsaber I don't necessarily need like the light up kind of blade I would rather just have I'd want to have the hilt but what I would want would be like an exact replica of like Luke Skywalker's one or Darth Vader's one. I'd probably want Luke Skywalker's one, honestly. Or maybe maybe the one Ray has. Ray is my favorite probably of all the Star Wars characters in the Star Wars universe. I know that's a controversial opinion, but you know what? I'm not the biggest Star Wars guy in the world. I've seen all the Star Wars, not the animated ones. I haven't seen Rebels. I've seen some of it. I haven't seen Clone Wars. Uh, I don't even honestly know if I've seen all the prequel movies. Growing up, I like Star Wars. I like those uh, three OG movies, and I collect the figures and everything. And when when they started up again, I just thought that Rey was such a charming character. I really felt like looking at the world, the Star Wars world, through the eyes of this poor girl who grew up on a desert planet as a scrap keeper was like, I thought that was cool, but they, they kind of took it and didn't do the best job of taking care of this character. But whatever. I hear she's coming back. I don't know. I don't know. Star Wars is cool, man. Whatever you like. I myself... More of a Star Trek guy. I love Star Trek, like, in my bones. But, you know, Star Wars is cool, too. It definitely has its place out there. The Andor TV show was a ton of fun. I'm not gonna front. Mandalorian, kind of fun. Book of Boba Fett, it was okay. Ahsoka, or whatever it is, haven't seen it. Might see it in the future, but I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil it for me. I probably won't. Maybe I will. Who knows? There's, like, there's a lot of time in the world to watch things. And maybe someday I'll sit down and I'll watch Rosario Dawson with some, like, big, uh, big, uh, green things growing out of her head. Are those hair? Is that hair? I don't even know. Is it hair or is it whatever? I have no idea. I'm not really overly familiar with any of the characters outside of, like, Luke Skywalker and Rey and Chewbacca and Han Solo and, uh, Jabba the Hutt. And, uh, Tobias Bluth. Is he a character on it? I'm not sure. Maybe he is. Anywho, we're going to talk in the next segment about the books that I bought at the, at the show. So why don't we just jump right in ahead to, uh, Reading Rainbow. But before I do, if you have a local comic show, go. It's fun. It's nice. Local things are fun, honestly. I love local things more than I love big things. Shout out to local community radio. Shout out to KRJF. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Pick a book. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. Where's the Robots, when I was at 
the Ohana Comic Con in lovely Santa Rosa. Very scenic. It's a vet's building. Very scenic as well. I picked up five trade paperbacks. So we're going to take a quick a quick look at those. And then if we still have time, I'll talk about a book that I am reading right now. I have one, two, three, four, five. Let's start with the one that I've already finished. And then we'll go into the one that I'm currently reading. And then we'll talk about the other ones that I can only speculate about at this point. The one that I picked up first, the one that I read first, is Just a Pilgrim by Garth Ennis. It is from Black Bull Productions. This is this is a book that I already have. I have the individual issues, is what I mean. I read it when it came out. I'm a big fan of Garth Ennis. You might know Garth Ennis from The Boys. The Boys on uh, Amazon right now. That's a wild show. I gotta say, I really like it. I didn't like The Boys comic book all that much. I read the first couple issues. I think I have like two trade paperbacks of it. And I do, I do like it. It's that Garth Ennis ultra-violent, ultra-scary style, but I don't know. As a comic, it didn't connect with me as much, but I did enjoy Just a Pilgrim. This is the tale of, of a post-apocalyptic world where I think what happens is the sun, the sun became ultra-hot, dried up all the water on the earth, everything's a desert, no oceans, no seas, whatever, and people are just drifting about waiting to die. Our main character is a guy called the Pilgrim who meets up with a group of uh, people trying to make it across the now dry Atlantic Ocean. It's like a desert. They're trying to make it all the way across, but nobody knows the Atlantic Ocean as much as our guy Pilgrim. We learn all about his background, all about what happened. It's wild. It's some Garth Ennick stuff to be sure. There is a lot of violence, a lot of gore. There's guts flying around. If that's your kind of thing, you'll like this one. I believe there's another volume of this where they find civilization or something. It's like in the Garden of Eden, just a pilgrim in the Garden of Eden. Something like that. I read it many, many moons ago. The second one that I got, this is the one that I'm reading right now. It is uh, DC Comics America versus the Justice Society. I accuse the JSA of treason. This one, this one plays up on the McCarthyism that was running around back in the day when everyone, everyone was like a suspected communist. The Justice Society tales tend to be back in the olden days, like World War II, post-World War II, that era, whereas, you know, the Justice League is like more, more modern. In this one, Batman has died. I'm not sure that happened in a previous issue. Batman is dead, but they found a journal where the Batman accuses the Justice Society of America of secretly being Nazis. It's very, very interesting. He has he has a way of explaining how everything went down and how secretly they were Nazis all along. How the Justice Society is actually like a crime syndicate and blah, blah, blah. I haven't finished it yet. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I believe these were originally printed in issues of the All-Star Squadron. That was a book that I really, really did like when it came out. No, it was actually a four-part miniseries called America vs. the Justice Society. But it is similar in tone to the All-Star Squadron. The All-Star Squadron was a bunch of dudes who were around, like, World War II, post-World War II. You got, like, Johnny Quick. You got, like, the Star-Spangled Kid. You got Hawkman, all these guys. Good stuff. Used to read it all the time. Definitely loved it. We're going to sit that one over here. The next one is one that I have not had the chance to crack open yet, and I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to do so. It is a Criminal Volume 1, The Coward by um, Ed Brubaker, who you might know from any number of books. He had a great run on Daredevil. He's written tons of, like, pulpy crime stuff. Guys, he's a top-notch comic writer. That is for sure. The most acclaimed crime comic of the 21st century, winner of six Eisner and Harvey Awards, including Best Writer 
and best new series. The traditional heist story is turned on its head. Leo can plan the perfect score, but only if he can be convinced that the job is safe. Because Leo is not a shoot first, think later type of criminal, Leo is a pro, whose biggest desire in life is to not end up exactly where he belongs in a jail cell. The art of this is really nice. Who's the artist? Sean Phillips. Big, big shout out to Sean Phillips for doing some nice work here in this. Looks pretty good. This is the one I'm going to tackle after I finish this Justice Society, but I'm not in a hurry. I got, I got all the time in the world to read these books. That's the thing about books. They'll be there waiting for you. You put a bookmark in it, be exactly where you left it last time. And then I got Catwoman Relentless. This one is written by, let me take a look. It is written by Ed Brubaker, who we just saw from Criminal. That's what I thought, but I did want to verify. This is, this is like the Darwin Cook style of Catwoman, where she has like the ears and the goggles, goggles Catwoman. And in this, she's more of a cat burglar than, like, a super villain. Like, she's out there pulling heist. Like, she's Danny Ocean in Ocean's Eleven. That kind of thing. It's like Catwoman's Eleven. There's one called Selena's Big Score that is a lot like like uh, Ocean's Eleven. It has that, like, vibe of it. But this one, this one looks very, very good. I'm excited to... Uh, to get into this one. I can't, I can't wait. I just, I'm flipping through it right now. There's Black Mask, who you might know. He was in the Harley Quinn movie. He was played by uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, who you might know from Star Wars. The prequel Star Wars. Not the real Star Wars, the prequel Star Wars. And now we're going to take a quick look. Let me move these out of the way. We're going to take a quick look at the last one. This one I got for free. I had those four picked out, and the guy's like, oh, if you get four, one's free. So I went in, I dug in there, and I grabbed this. The book that I have in my hand is The New Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. I have the issues of The Judas Contract, but I never get to look at them because I want to keep them in nice shape. This is a nice collected edition. The Judas Contract is the one with Terra, where Terra is introduced, Jericho is introduced, Slade is in it. I don't want to ruin this one. This one's very, very, very good. It's one of comics' seminal tales. If you haven't read The Judas Contract, read it. They do a version of it in the Teen Titans cartoon, which is very cool. When I watched that one with the kid, it was really neat. I'm watching, I'm watching Terra and all these guys like play out the Judas Contract right in front of my eyes in the animated form. Very cool. Very neat. I'm excited to read this all at one time, have it all collected. It's going to be good. 20 bucks for all of them. Can't beat that. These are the things I look for when I go to these shows. I want the collected editions. I want to get trades. Want to pay five bucks a pop for them. Want to have a good time. Also, I'm reading a book right now. It is a book called Talisman. It's a Stephen King book. It's one that he wrote with another chap. I've never, I've never, not never dove into the Stephen King world of like him and other chaps, but I, I needed something to read. And I was over at the thrift store and I saw this. Not only that, I saw the sequel and I'm like, you know, now's the perfect time. You got nothing else going on as far as reading. Now's the perfect time. Let's dig into it. And I got to say, at first, at first I wasn't digging it. It's one of those Stephen King fantasy world. Our main character goes off into this other like mirror dimension where it's like ours, but it's kind of like the mythical uh, olden D&D renaissance. So it's like, you know, elves and dwarves and werewolves and stuff and all that things. But that's the mirror world. In the real world, he's just a normal kid. Over there, he's a big deal. But I don't necessarily go for these like fantasy realms 
Honestly, it's just not it's just not my bag. When you when you watch these things or read these things, there's always like so many rules involved. There's like all these different rules you got to follow. The problem with that is I don't want to memorize all the rules of the mythical universe. I already know the rules of the real universe. Let's just keep it here, keep it nice, but it's fine. It took me a while to get into this, but now now that I am, I got to say I'm digging it. At first, wasn't necessarily digging it like a ton, but then all of a sudden it just, it just stuck. I was on like page like 185 and all of a sudden it all started to make sense. So I'm going through that one really, really liking it. I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I've been reading that's worth note? Oh, yes, there is. There is definitely something worth note. I read a book recently called Stellar Warlords by good friend of the show, Mark Alley. I want to say, I like Mark. I think he's a nice guy. I do some production on his podcast, The Unprofessional Outsiders, which I highly recommend. But this is an unbiased review. He sent me this as a gift for, for doing some work for him. You know, some gratis work. He sent me this, you know, trade for trade, art for art, as it were. But I, I have to say... I was really charmed by this book. Let's take a look at the back. In the far-flung future, James Kelly is the captain of the Space Star Thunderhawk. Kelly and his colleagues in the Stellar Alliance must thwart the villainous schemes of the captain's longtime rival, the Martian warlord Larsonis. Back on Earth in the 1980s, a young man named Chad is fascinated by a mysterious new arcade game. And then an unusual stranger appears. The book is told in like a serialized form. Like I think what he said was like Amazon was doing some kind of new serialized story program and he signed up for it and you would like submit little short chapters every couple days or whatever. And it's written in that format. But what I really, really liked about this is you get two different stories. There's the story of the kid playing the video game and then there's the story of the universe in which the video game is happening. Of the two stories... I preferred the story of the kid here on Earth. I thought it was like a neat little story of a kid in like a small time convenience store playing a new video game. And then a mysterious gal appears. A mysterious, alluring gal appears while he's playing. And from there, things jump off. I thought this story was really, really cool. I was totally looking forward to getting to see what was going to happen to these people. Maybe because it was more grounded in reality. As we just learned, I do kind of prefer stories that are just a little more grounded in the real universe than like mythical universes, but I just dug it. I dug it. I thought it was really good. I thought the book was super fun. You can find it on the online. His name is Mark Alley. That's that's M-A-R-C-A-L-L-I-E. He has a website. Nice guy. Super cool guy. Very friendly. Has a bunch of other books. I was geeky before. Geeky wasn't cool. I've read all of his books now. I'm just very into his work. I can't... When he reached out to me and wanted to be my friend, I was already familiar with his work and who he was. And I was really excited that somebody who I thought was like super cool and super talented wanted to be friends with me. So go and look for the book. Stellar Warlords gets the highest ISR recommendation. You are listening to KRJF. FM 92.3 in Santa Rosa, simulcasting on 88.1 in Bodega Today is the day when everything comes together. I can feel it. I know you can feel it too. I see robots. It's happening. The clones are trying to get through the fence. Ed is out there right now with a fire hose squirting them. It's getting wild out there. I think you should pass out the sonic blasters and the laser shields. Give me the key to the lockers. 
I'll get them. Yeah, okay, here's the here's the keys. Turn can you turn the klaxon off? It's just uh it's just us three here right now. We all know what's going on. Let's let's uh grab those weapons. We'll I don't know, lock the door. Let's uh, maybe maybe we should go outside and help Ed. How many of them were, were were there out there, Derek? Lots of them. I saw at least 5 clones of you, three engineer nerds. At least I think it's him. We've never met. A couple Gino Vegas and a bunch of random blank-faced ones. Bro, those ones are scary. They have no mouth but somehow make a weird noise. How does that even work? Dude, I know what you're talking about. Those ones freak me out. All right, grab grab that sonic blaster. I got the laser sword. We're going to go out there and see if we can help Ed. No need. I have dispatched all of the clones. They are creepy but in reality quite weak. Look though, I captured one. It's a Gino Vega but it seems like from years ago. He is young, smoking a cigarette and wearing a United Artists Theater uniform. He says he wants to talk to you. Should I squirt him and be done with it? I don't know. Maybe. Let's, uh... What do you want, anyway? What do you want to talk to me? What are you guys... What are you doing out there? Tell me what your deal is, Gino Vega. Take what you're yelling at me, man. And tell this old dude to let me go. I don't deserve any of this. I didn't ask to be born. I'm just trying to smoke cigarettes, play punk music. Just let me go, or I'm going to call Maury and James from UA6 to come and beat you down broom tang style. Hold on, man. Uh, you still work at UA6? UA6 closed, like, eons ago. What What year do you, do you think this is, dude? It's 1992, man. What year do you think it is? Holmes, you and these two fools are tripping. Let me go, and I'll forget all about it. I have tickets for the Bad Kissers and Heat Creep at the Phoenix, and, and it starts in an hour. I have to call Maury and see if he's going to go. Can I use your phone? Dude, it's 2023, man. United Artists closed, like, a long time ago. For a while, it was run by another theater company, but they've since closed it. The building's an empty husk. It's sad, but, man, it's not 1992 anymore, dude. I, here, c come over. Let let's go into my office here. We'll take a seat. We'll talk about it. We'll figure out what's going on i a lot has changed in the world man i got a lot of things and i'm gonna have to talk to you about let's uh before we do that let's let's finish the show we've been talking to what show bro you are bugging uh this is me i see robots saying if you don't like what's going on in the news go out there and make some your own all right um bring an organ and you know i got to have that supported endeavor. If you like what we do here and you look forward to new programming, consider helping us to bring fun stuff every week by heading over to supportthereport.com and tossing a few pounds into the hat. It's important to support things that you enjoy. Thanks and have a great week. Supportthereport.com
Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. I don't think so. Grossif. When I'm not at the beach, gnarling on some rip curls, I'm in my van listening to TRJF 92.3 FM in Santa Rosa. They play some righteous tunes. Amigo, 